PGA Nation. We are back. We are back in a big way with the Waste Management Open, the Super Bowl of golf. Not really fair, but because it's on Super Bowl Sunday, that kind of flows. So we're going to go with it. Um, what we sometimes will call the forget about it open, you know, Tony Soprano used to sponsor this event. That's why it's waste management. This is the fun event. This is the one where the people are going to show up and they're going to be drunk. And I don't know, you might even get an out of shape golfer taking off his shirt on the green because that's what people do at the waste management. They go crazy. So with that in mind, we're going to go crazy on our end too. We're going to give out some winners and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. Exhibit A of how we do that was last week. Listen, we've given out outrights multiple weeks in a row. We've been pretty hot. Spence, absolutely fire pick last week all over Wyndham Clark. Spence, how are you doing tonight? And tell us about how much you won last week. Well, I appreciate that, Joel. And, you know, it was one of those events where, like, as you said, we have started the year uh, collectively, all of us, uh, Sia included, like we are all winning in different iterations of the market. And uh, I always pride myself on these head to head bets that I give. It was four and oh there last week. So I do want to pat myself on the back a little bit there. I uh, had Eric Cole inside the top 20, but yeah, I mean, the market mover, the needle mover in this situation is obviously going to be the Wyndham Clark play when he captures the title at hundred to one, had him at the U S open at the same price. Uh, you know, funny thing, I, I have a Discord chat that I use over at Rotoballer. We've moved the picture from the Jason Day face that I always do over to the Wyndham Clark Club twirl right now. So uh, breakups are difficult. It's never easy breaking up with somebody that you've been with for a long time in Jason Day and myself. But uh, this Wyndham situation and I seems to be going very well. It's uh, I, I would say from an impact standpoint, those are probably the two most impactful outrights I've had in the space just because of the traction it's gained me in both of those two spots. So uh, I feel very indebted to Wyndham and uh, very indebted to the sheriff of Monterey. And I know David talked about it on the show last week, but very indebted to the sheriff of Monterey for putting that shelter in place to make sure that we weren't going to go out there on Monday. Well, listen, we, we say this all the time. It's nothing new. You know, we, we've been hot. You, been, you give good picks always, right? This isn't anything new. You've been giving good picks for years. Same with David. Um, and that hasn't changed. This isn't something unique that I'm, that I'm asking about that. But I want to know if there's any insight you can give in terms of the pick last week, right? You're, you're hot right now. You picked it. You went 4-0. Is there something about this season right now that you're seeing that's maybe a little different than the past? Maybe there's some correlation to some of these live guys being gone, maybe some of the weaker fields um, that's helping you? Or is it just another week, another way of you running your models and just crushing it as you always do. I think it's very on brand for the head-to-head sector. Um, obviously, the outrights are more of that fickle business to where you can go through the ebbs and flows of good and bad. And uh, thankfully, on this show, we are collectively hitting winners, which is a good thing. But I think one of the things that I've been doing just quite a bit of this year, even more so than I used to do so, as I always say, I run things from a longer duration of time than most people out there. I have been looking for the last 24 rounds and specifically weighing it for the course that I'm playing, whether that be from a T to green or a strokes gain total standpoint. Uh, that was the area for me last week where Wyndham just skyrocketed in my model. When I ran it uh, for Pebble Beach for the strokes gain T to green stat, he jumped inside the top 10 of my model. That was a golfer that didn't have a top 19 finish since November. 
when you looked at the strokes gain total or the strokes gain T to green that he'd put together before that, he's outside of the top 50. That was really the only missing link that was able to shoot him into the top 10 in a lot of the ways that I ran my model. So uh, I, I think that's helped a little bit in the outright market, at least last week. And, you know, I, I think that there's a, a weird situation, Joel, where a lot of these players have gone to live and you get it this tournament. I think it's a very strong top of the board. I think like, I'm not going to list all the players, but I think between Scheffler and Thomas and Homa, I think all those guys carry a, a lot of win equity. But my biggest concern is what happens to the board if one of those names doesn't win. And I think that's what we're getting a lot of these weeks is there have been really good players. Wyndham should not have been boosted out into the hundreds. Pavon was not a golfer that clearly at this point should have been in the hundreds from what we've seen. So I think there's been some price mistakes from books and that's what we're trying to do on this show, whether it's from a DFS perspective or from outright betting, we're trying to find those errors and turn that value into profit. And I agree. It feels to me that there is a larger room for error from the books because of all this change, which allows us to kind of find those spots and, and to take advantage of it. Um, but like I said before, you know, you've been crushing it at this for a long time. This isn't new. And the fact that, you know, you even will tell us now that you're iterating on that process and it's not always the same when you're finding new ways to run your model um, and sharing that information with, with our fans is super helpful because, you know, it's not stagnant and that's how we continue to win is because we're continuing to iterate and find that edge or advantage. And, you know, as whoever's been following us knows, David, you've been equally as hot, absolutely crushing it that you're picking winners left and right. Um, one, how you doing tonight? And two, I want to ask you the same question. Is there any way you're iterating on your process heading into this season, uh, the making changes that are enabling you to have the success you're having? Thank you, Matt. And, um, you know, you're, you're always very, very hot yourself and uh, only ever a few steps away from another six-figure massive DFS hit. We always uh, love to see a few of those come through every year. So um, with your bucket loads of money, no no doubt that it will uh, come around again soon and we'll see another one of those posted. Um, I'd, I'd reiterate what Spencer said. Obviously, a lot of the middle of the market seems to be missing now. I would also say that we saw last season a real lack in triple figure winners. And these things do tend over time to work themselves out. We actually saw a lot of favorites win last year. Uh, the average winning odds was a lot lower than in previous seasons. So it's not necessarily that unsurprising. But I agree with what Spence said. You know, when you're in these these tournaments now and there's kind of two, three, like, objectively very good names at the top of the board, and then after them there is a big drop-off, you are going to see these situations where the opportunity comes for a triple-figure winner. And what I would kind of liken it to is what I've been doing on the DP World Tour for years now, is that when there isn't that strong a market at the head of the field, the books find it really, really difficult to price the rest of the market, and there is massive, massive opportunity for profit as a result of that. That's why we're so successful over in the DP World Tour, because you can identify those misprices in the market, get guys at a positive expected value, get your money on when they're in a good price compared to what they, they should be paying. And um, that's what leads to a continuing and, um, yeah, reliable profit on a week-to-week -week basis. So that's that's how we roll over there. So we've got a new promo out. So, you know, if you haven't jumped on the last one, there's another one at the moment in the link in the description. Uh, Going to get three months for $99.99. So, basically getting your fourth month free that's $50 off our usual quarterly price so great time to jump in while we're hot and um back some winners because 
trust me, you would have you would have paid off your ninety nine dollars with your hundred to one on Wyndham last week and hundred twenty five to one on Pavon uh, the week before. You've already paid for itself and probably been able to give ten of your friends membership to Win Daily at this point as well. Totally, totally. We're red hot right now, and now's the time to jump on the bad wagon and get on that train with us because it does come in waves, and I have a feeling we are due for another hot week. Before we dive into it, Spence, I am excited for you. One course this week, finally, one course to break down. Tell us what you're looking for out there. Yeah, much easier breakdown when we only have to talk about one venue. So I've always said that this course is probably as much flash from a structural perspective as it is with the fun that you get with the nature of it. Uh, It's one of those venues for me where there is a massive risk reward that comes into play, specifically on the back nine. You have that stadium venue on 16 that puts the fans as part of the show, the drivable par four 17th that quickly produces, depending on how aggressive or how erratic you go off the tee, it can produce an Eagle. It can produce a double bogey on the scorecard. That's how this tournament gets one down the stretch. I've kind of gone back to this sentiment multiple times on, on articles and podcasts today. If we ever get back to a match play contest, I really would love to see this course come into play in that general area. I think the risk reward here is just super intriguing. So uh, we see players get over a 3% increase in expected production off the tee. That's the firm fairways, the elevated setup, the limited rough. Now you're going to have the desert pitfalls that are always looming if you go too far off track. But the one difference here from when I ran my model from other years is you have gotten some recent rain in Phoenix. I think that has the propensity to potentially alter where the importance comes from for the week. So when I ran my model, I ran it distance over accuracy to a 60-40 split. I think you could maybe make an argument that distance might be a little bit more impactful than that. There's also an argument to be made that that 4% increase in the projected shots we get from that 150 to 175 range could move into that 175 to 200 core part of that answer. Um, I think that's at least something worth noting there. I'm not saying that you should go overweight with any of those things. I would just be aware of some of those uh, past trends that have come into play. But really the answer that I keep landing on, and it goes back to what I said at the beginning, I want players that are aggressive. Like players that are going to go for the green when you get these drivable par fours or these scorable par fives. Golfers that can find that different gear when a quality shot's needed, whether it's with water to the left or right, or you have to go over it. Like that's what I want. The blow up potential is going to come up into play there, but I back tested this because I was curious. I have not had a player in the last five years win this event that was outside of the top 50 of my model for that week when it came to the, it's my version of aggression. Some of it is going for the green. That's a PGA tour stat. A portion of that is also what I weighed into the mix, but that's really how I got my model different this week is just finding these golfers that are not going to be afraid to hit the big shot. And, you know, with it is going to come some implosion here and there. But I, I think at this sort of a contest, you kind of need to shoot for the stars a little bit. I totally agree with that. You're going for it, right? You're not looking for guys to get you top 30s and 40s. You want guys that are going to go for it and you need to look for the upside. So I love that totally aligned. And I'm looking forward to getting into this draft. Spence, again, congrats. You won last week, so you have the first pick. Before I pass it over to you, for those that are new, as a quick reminder, we do a fantasy football snake-style draft. Um, the one caveat is you do need to stay within your draft king salary. So you cannot just take all the best players. You do need to make sure you draft accordingly so that you can afford each player like a real draft king's lineup that you would use. 
Um, it's a snake style. So audience, you're going fourth. You'll get to two in a row. Um, the way it works, you nominate a player. The second person agrees with that player. That's your pick. Once you get two players that are doubled, that then they're both in for that turn. Spence, with the first pick, who are you going with? David, how much money am I allowed to get down on that line? <laughs> you can't bet on yourself, mate. Phil Mickelson made this this mistake previously, and we all heard about it. So that's fair. No, I, you know, here's the interesting thing, and, and I am going to take Scotty Scheffler here. Um, there was a problem with this board that occurred when Hovland and Shoffley removed themselves from the mix, and. And Scotty's going to have some of that come into play for himself. Justin Thomas is going to have the other portion of it. You lost the whole top end of the board. I think like the numbers I have right now on Scotty, I think it's going to be 10, 15% more than the total that I currently have. Like this is going to probably trickle into the thirties, maybe the forties, depending on what the contest is. I understand that. I just, I just think that when you look at Scotty and you look at him at this venue, this has been the one course historically where he's gained strokes putting and he's been better than his baseline projection. He's inside the top 20 in my model on similar green complexes here. So I think it's a really nice spot for Scotty Scheffler. I mean, that goes without saying here, but um, I'm going to start with him. It's I think it's easy to build a lineup this week down beneath. There's a lot of golfers that I liked in that lower 7,000, high $6,000 section. So I'll start this with Scotty Scheffler at 11.6. I mean... <laughs> What's not to like about Scotty, right? I mean, is, is he won here before? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, he's got the last two times. So I think it's a great pick. I think um, I'll be more than willing to pay up, eat the chalk where I can. I think we say this a lot on the show. You can play chalk. Just make sure you get different elsewhere. You got to get different other guys, and that will even it out. So um, I am behind that there. You don't need to listen to our show for us to tell you how great Scotty Shuffler is at golf. So we can move on from that. And I'm going to move on to the second pick. And I'm going to take – it's going to start off pretty chalky here. I'm going to take Justin Thomas. I mean, the way he's been playing, you know, he's he's been playing like the second-best golfer. You get a significant discount from Scotty here at the number two pick. Um, but he's just – he's been lights out. I mean, it looks like he has made that turn from last year's uh, drought, and he's, he's playing great. I think Justin can go ahead and win the tournament. But the, the real thing is maybe to, in my book, there's maybe three to five guys that you got in this upper echelon. Um, and then after that, there's a big drop off and, you know, Scotty and, and Justin Thomas are top off that list of those upper echelon guys. So I'll go ahead and eat this chalk with Thomas and I'll find a way to get different later as well. David, you're on the clock. Um, obviously, you know, Scotty Sheffler, Justin Thomas are good in golf. Do you have any concerns? Is it, is it ownership or will you be playing them as well and just finding a way to get different elsewhere? Uh, I, I mean, I'll of course be playing both of them. I think you have to this week. Um, what I would say is is going to be interesting is that because of the way that the, the pricing is structured and the loss of Sander and Hovland in the market, you can feasibly build with both Sheffler and Thomas and you'd have 7,100 average per pick. So let's take Joel's favorite long shot play, Callum, Callum Tarrant at 6,200. You chuck him in with those two guys. And then suddenly you've got like access to Grio and you've got access to a lot of other names in that mid to low 7K kind of range. So I guess guess my comment in regard to that is probably the best way to get the different this week is leaving like 3K on the table. Like that's probably your best way to get different or don't take either of those guys and just rely on some huge long shot coming in. That 
you've got to got to be really comfortable leaving Salah around the table this week would be be my suggestion because if one of those two guys doesn't win you know you could be you know winning gpps basically if you're compared to to other people who are going to basically be loading up on those two that would be my suggestion i also think because of that build specifically where you go sheffler thomas the low 7k guys are going to get a lot of steam because that does leave you basically in that low 7k range so do be that in mind when projected ownership um, comes out. So um, I'm going to go and take the one player that I'm probably most worried will not get back to me. Um, another player who is catching a lot of um, attention at the moment, which is um, Benny Ahn. Look, he's um, elevated his game over the last year. He really is um, firing, particularly in a key approach range for me this week, 150 to 200 yards. You're going to see nine um, shots on average on approach per round in that bucket which is again hugely disproportionate for me driving distance driving actually doesn't make too much difference at phoenix i do take spencer's point there has been a decent amount of rain so it may play a bit longer but it's one of those places where as long as you don't make the huge miss you're kind of going to be okay like the rough isn't really that penal you just need to avoid like certain nasty areas and runoffs into native native areas and things like that so for me it's more like finding equivalent form at things like the Shriners or Colonial or um, San Antonio, some of those other desert golf courses. And particularly, it's been the place of ball strikers. And Benny has just been crushing it in that. And he's, he's just an excellent putter as well, which I really do think you're going to need on these huge green complexes. So he's going to be chalky, but I'm going to kind of have to be taking that different route to you guys and uh, not having access to Sheffield and Thomas at the top. I mean, there's no denying Benny has been red hot. Um, and he, it looks like he's elevated his tier in the last, let's call it half a year to four months of the, of the caliber golfer he is. So um, at 8,800, definitely a pick I can get behind. Um, before I pass to you, Spence, for your opinion, Benyon, audience, it looks like you're getting your nominations in. Great job. You are on the clock and we need two. They might already be in, but Spence, Benyon, we'll be playing him at all this week. Yeah, I think he's a great pick for all the reasons that David just talked about. And um you know, I, I ran things pretty even when it came to distance and accuracy. Like, I don't think 60-40 is that big of a discrepancy between the two totals there. And even with Ben on being a golfer, that's 108th in my model in driving accuracy. When I weighed back into the fact there that, yes, like David's 100% correct. You can miss wayward. You just can't go off the map off the tee there. He was a top 15 expected weighted total driver for me. I think he's a legitimate top 25, 30 player in the world right now. Uh, there are some spots here that I think are bad shock. This is not one of them. I, I think that there's a reason why he was one of the biggest market movers when everything opened on Monday, dipping from the 50s that he was in more into this 30 to 1 range now. So I, I like to pick a lot. There you have it. We are all aligned on many on an audience. Great job. Where to get your pick in on time. And there's a lot of consensus behind Definitely your second pick. Uh, the first pick got in pretty pretty quickly. That's Jordan Spieth, who uh, kind of similar to Thomas has been playing well. Not quite as well as Thomas, but um, playing better than he had been over the last year or so. And the second pick is Adam Scott, who you know has looked very good. He looks to be having a bit of a resurgence late in his career right now. I think those are two solid picks. We'll go back to you, Spence. Will you be on Spieth or Scott this week? I think Scott's a great place. So like full disclosure on this, when it came back to me, I was hoping to, with my next two picks to go Ben on, which would be a lot of chalk with Scotty. I understand that. I was going to go Scott though, for a, a little bit of leverage that I think I could create there. So now that those two picks are off the board, 
uh, going to have to pivot a little bit there. Um, I talked about last week that I was out on Spieth. I think this is a much better spot for him just with the way that I feel like his game sets up for this course. I know Pebble historically has been a venue where he has found high end success, but um, I don't know. I, I guess my one problem I have that I keep running into is there is a golfer in the $9,000 range that I have punched the the every single time that I've been in the situation that I would rather play him than Spieth. Um, I mean, that's a personal decision, but I, I think in the nutshell of that situation, Spieth is obviously fine. There you have it. How about you, David? Will you be on Spieth or Scott? And it is also your second pick. Uh, yep, I like I like both the players. I thought that um, Spieth actually looked pretty decent other than just like actually just obliterating himself on the greens last week, which, you know, what when we're talking about regression, putter is always the thing that's going to regress the, the quickest to the mean. He's looked a lot better with the putter than he has the previous few years. I know it's been a real struggle for him, but he looks to be getting some of his touch on the greens um, back as well. And he's very, very good in that key key approach approach range uh same with adam scott look i think that he's doing some um some decent things i don't think the Des dubai desert classic is the worst comp course either really long golf course you need to be pretty strong with the driver and um it's favored ball strikers a lot of correlation between the dubai desert classic and the masters funnily, funnily enough um both Sujo Garcia and Danny Willett won the Masters the same year that they won the Dubai Desert Classic. So two pretty um, ball-striking kind of courses, and that's what's going to be required here. So no problem with um, either of those for me. Um, I'm going to go, and if I, if I am thinking that this is the kind of course where driver isn't going to make that much of a distance, the difference is really going to be the, the premium ball strikers and the approach play that's... Um, that's going to come to the fore. I really like Eric Cole this week. The, the price that you can get him, again, seems really underpriced at 8500 Um, He's not the longest off the team. He's not the most accurate, but like he's decent enough to get the job down around here. You are going to get some um, runoff generally in, in TPC Scottsdale as well, but he just absolutely crushed it on approach last week at Pebble. It's only two of the three rounds, so I, I like it's 66% of his stats, but he was getting 2.5 strokes on approach per round at the tournament last week, which is just insane. Um, third at the Shriners as well in 2023, so really like the desert course form um, comp there, and I think he's a really decent shout at 8,500. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a debut victory at a course like this. I love Eric Colbeck. I mean, the one thing I'm not really understanding is why isn't he, like, priced in the 9K range at this point? It seems like he's been nothing but pretty consistent. He's been better than a lot of these guys. I don't know if it's like the name or the boringness about it or something like that, but to me, it seems like he's solidified now as a as an upper echelon guy, and to still get him at eighty five hundred seems like a great price this week. Um, Spence, will you be playing cold all this week? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said, Joel. It's one of those situations where I'm not sure I quite understand why we're not getting a higher price tag. The matchups for him, there was a long time that he was just a massive underdog in every single spot. Books are not making that same mistake anymore. And it's not that he's cheap at 8,500, but like to me, he's a top 10 golfer in this field. He should be priced as a top 10 golfer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, all right. I got two here. Um, and I'm going to make an interesting move and I'm going to not have a lot of salary left after I do it, but I'm sticking at the top of the board. There's two guys at the top that I still like a lot. That I think I have a lot of win equity, and I'm going to take them right now. And that is going to be Max Homa and Sam Burns. Um, I'll start with Homa. You know, Homa, I think people might be a little disappointed because 
you know, he hasn't been as successful over the last Stop. couple of weeks. Stop. I'm going to stop you before you do what I did two weeks ago. We we could give you two picks here if you want, but I think that Spence might steal one of them from you. <laughs> well, wait. If I just take them both, then he can't. Then he can't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's mine. I just, I just it's already done. Um, it's fair. It depends. Are you going to take that person next? I, I won't steal. I, I So here's the thing. I, I think there's a lot to like about both your picks. I, I want to talk about the Max Homa selection first, and and I'll move it into my picks. I'll, I'll let you talk about Sam Burns a little bit more as we move it back across. But uh, Homa's the guy that I keep wanting to every single time pick over Spieth. I think this is a, an incredible bounce back spot for him. Pebble Beach was an incredible course for him that I'm not really sure what went wrong necessarily, but I'm willing to throw that out the window. Um, to me, there's three legitimate top end win equity candidates. I think Homa's every bit in that range with Justin Thomas. When we're having that discussion there, I think the prices are very close for them, uh, in, inside of my model of how I had it. So I, I like the Homa pick. I'll let you, as I said, talk about, uh, Burns as we move back across. But, uh, with my first pick, I'm going to take Corey Connors. Uh, sixth place grade for me in weighted total driving and approach that really merged well with the top 15 return I had for him in that reprojected strokes gain T to green over the last 24 rounds that I ran. Um, I, you know, I, I think at this course historically, whether you want to look at five of the last eight years, Scheffler twice, Hideki twice, uh, Woodland, you, you had the king of team no putt in Kyle Stanley in 2012. This is a ball striker course where I'm not as worried with the putter. Now, it doesn't mean that like a putter can, if it goes south, it's going to go south and we're going to need a little bit better than that. But uh, I think there's a certain prototypical course that Connors can find success at. A ball striker course is where I'm looking to play him. So I'm going to play Corey Connors with my first pick. And then uh, with my second pick, I'm going to take Siwoo Kim. There were five golfers for me in this field who graded inside of the top 15 for three separate categories. So that would be aggression, ball striking, and weighted scoring. Uh, I'm going to leave the other names off right now. I will say Scotty Scheffler, no surprise, is one of those names there. But I think there's a lot to like with Siwoo with the form that he's bringing to the week with you know back-to-back -back top 25 finishes. And then at this tournament, every single year, the finish has gotten better than the year before over the last five years. So I think this is a nice spot for Siwoo where – I have him right now at less than 10% ownership. I'm curious to see where he ends up coming in, but uh, there's a lot of guys that he's priced around that seem to be gaining a lot more traction than he is. And I think the upside for Siwoo is every bit as good. There you have it. I like Siwoo a lot this week too. I think for one of those guys that if I'm looking for value, he'll be one I'll be looking for under 8K. Um, and I think it's an interesting strategy because I think what David said earlier was a lot of people were going to take Scheffler and by taking Sheffield, you're going to have to kind of gravitate toward the low 7K range to make that work. And so you go with the 8K-ish type guys here. Just, I think it's a little bit different, but I think those are both solid plays to pair with Sheffield. So intrigued to see how you finish that off, but I like both those picks. How about you, David? Yeah, I like them both. I mean, obviously, premium ball strikers, right? Like Connors and Siwoo can absolutely strike with the irons. I do share concerns, as Ben said, with the, the putting. You're kind of relying on them having a, a spike week. And I do weight putting pretty highly here, just given the size of the greens. Like, they're, they're pretty massive, right? So it's not um, not necessarily the easiest to lag putt. 
in saying that they're both such great ball strikers that they can kind of out hit their putter a little bit um it's more about finding the right area of the green for them this week rather than um rather than yeah just finding the green to start with it's not greens and regulations it's like how close and where on the the green that you're going to be located would be uh my answer what i'd say to see with the putter as well is like he's been like field average putting for like the last three months like which isn't like the worst for Siwoo like he's usually just like destroying himself with the putter and he's been like PGA to average which for Siwoo is pretty good and he can he can out hit that um quite quite um often so don't mind that at all and um if I use my my brain power I might be able to <laughs> I'm gonna get into your brain Joel and guess your next pick <laughs> let's see what you got um but yeah i'm gonna take sam burns um you know again obviously i didn't have the choice of taking scheffler so that wasn't an option but i do think it's pretty different here to go take homer burns and thomas and not have Sheffler. so even though you know obviously thomas is gonna be pretty chalky um i don't think there'll be a lot of builds that start this way um and burns is just playing really good golf. we've seen burns go on some streaks where he gets really hot and he really elevates his game. And I feel like he's on one of those streets right now where he's just been playing well of recently. Last year, he top 10 here at this course, but he was 10th at Pebble Beach. He had the top 10 at the American Express. He had a top 10 at the Tour Championship, which I know was now months ago. But just to tell you, the more recent player we've seen of Sam Burns is an elevated one. And so if you combine that with the fact that this field is a little bit diluted, you know, we lost not only – um, the live guys, but now we're not going to get Xander. You're not going to get Hovland. I think Burns rises up to be one of the top favorites to win the tournament. And to have all three of these guys, I think allows me to do some pretty neat things. I have to get creative how I'm going to finish this off, but I like where I stand here. Um, David, how about you? Will you be on Burns at all this week? Yeah, really, really like what Burns is doing uh, recently. I, what I'd also add with Burns, right, he burned us at the American Express. We were on him, and he looked like for all money he was going to win it until he decided to gift um, Nick Dunlap the, the win by hitting the water far too many times like those last few holes. Um, so I was really impressed last week to see him come out and still play really well and, like, overcome that. That can be, like, really quite a mental hurdle for someone to come over when they've kind of thrown away a tournament like that and he came out and finished here just like you kind of expect Sam Burns to do so um really like him there and I really like the Max Homer play uh for what it's worth as well um I think that last week there was a very significant edge to playing Spyglass Hill first and people each second uh he got the wrong rotation that can happen with the weather it's really volatile it was really disappointing because I was extremely hot on Homer last week as well other than that, he's finished in the top 14 since, like, July in every single tournament he's teated up. So if Mac, like, Max Homer burned so many people last week, myself included, what a great time to get onto Max Homer when he's low-owned, when he's, like, just had a dreadful tournament because of the weather, and really that seems to be the main reason. Um, great, great opportunity to get some leverage. So I really like that play from you there. Um, I'm going to go and um, grab one of the those uh, low 7K guys that I spoke about are probably going to be really chalky. Um, I just think Kukuriyama has, like, such huge upside. 7,200, eagle maker, plenty of birdies. He's showing that he can let really grit it out, right? Like, Bay Hill's, like, somewhat comparable to what you can expect at TPC Scottsdale. He won there in just a completely elite field. Really good with his long irons, which I really like for him here this week. 
again, you're kind of relying on him out hitting the putter a bit, but he's been pretty far on approach lately, and he's he's turning into a, a much better golf, I think, than many people are giving him credit for. Certainly than the 7,200 um, price for flex. He's played here once, and he finished 23rd, and that was an elevated event as well. So I always love when players can come, take one look at the golf course, and have a decent finish in a really strong field like that. So this is obviously a lot weaker, and I think he's great value at 7,200. Kirtikitayama is a name that's come up on our show a few times this year. 7,200 is a very good number, especially if you're looking for some value. I like that pick there, Spence. Before I pass it to you, audience, you are on the clock. You got two, so get your nominations in. Um, but, Spence, what say you on Kirtikitayama? I, I think he's too cheap. Um, I, I guess my one concern in my model that pushed him down maybe a little bit further than he should have been was just the weighted scoring that I had for him, but... I mean, this is a golfer that probably should be more up in the, you know, mid to high 7,000s, according to my numbers. So you're, you're definitely getting a discounted price. And uh, I would make an argument that I think there's a lot of guys that are kind of right in that section that uh, the same answer I would give that you, they're just a little bit too cheap at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's part of this game, right? Sometimes it's just finding the best value that can elevate your lineup. So that's one way to do so. Audience, again, great job. You need one more. Uh, but Bo Hustler with your first pick is locked in. Uh, Bo Hustler is a, is a guy that's on the rise, playing well. Uh, with your first pick here, I can endorse that. What say you did? Will we be playing Bo Hustler at all this week? I... I'm on the record of saying that Bohos is going to have like kind of a breakout season and, and win at least one PGA Tour tournament this year. He, he's, he was profiling really quite a bit like Wyndham Clark in terms of long driver, really good putter, struggling with the irons, and then the last sort of half of 2023 really started to find his approach play. I The only thing I'd say is I guess he's, he's lost on approach in two of his last three starts. They are kind of wedge fests, which isn't necessarily Hosler's strongest part of his game, but that would be my only caution with him. Um, I love Hosler in general this year, so I'll, I'll have him, certainly I'll have some exposure to him in, in some lineups. I don't think he'll be making my cash, cash lineup, though. That makes sense. Um, a little controversy. I think if I'm seeing Wyndham Clark as the audience second pick, but it's possibly Cam Young. Can I get a second to confirm, who's the audience's second pick here? Clark. Clark. Clark it is. Um, I mean, listen, he went out what played. He had a round. When I was watching that round where he just was on fire and just putting everything in, it was – I was just like in awe. I mean, the fact that it didn't stop, it's like, okay, now he's 500, right? now he's 600, now he's 7, 8, 9. I'm like, what is going on? And seeing that, you know, and seeing we, – we talked about this last week. Seeing Clark, you know, he had a time last year where he kind of rose to the top. He started getting to that 9K pricing. I think that's going to be more of the regular for him moving forward. I think Wyndham Clark is moving up to be that upper echelon type golfer on the tour. Um, and I don't think that's any fluke. So with 9K in the fourth round, I like the Wyndham Clark pick here. The only question mark some people might have is, Will he have the win hangover, kind of following up a win and maybe not play as well? But, you know, he had a day off, so uh, I don't think so. What about you, Spencer? Are you playing Clark at all this week? I mean, the one thing I'll say about his win compared to somebody else's win, because I'm not a big believer in that win hangover that takes place. I mean, he sat around on Sunday 
like, I mean, he must have been, had his fingers crossed for the entire day, hoping that they were going to cancel that tournament. I, I know I, I did. So, like, I think both of us were doing rain dances as much as we could to just try to get things to continue to downpour. I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to play Wyndham this week. Like, when when I get stuck in this spot and I'm kind of around this price range, I just would rather go to Ben on. Like that's kind of where I keep going with it. So I think he's a fine play. He's a top 15 player in my model. I don't have a massive um, discrepancy one way or another of what's proper value and what's not. I think he's at the right general zone, Um, but you have to pick and choose spots. So I'm going to move in a different direction, but um, I, I don't think he's a bad play by any means. There you have it. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on Wyndham Clark this week? And then you're up with your fourth pick. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, right? Because typically you would see someone have a putting performance like that where he drained 200 feet of putts, like he drained 150 in his first nine holes or something stupid, right? And you'd, you'd immediately go, okay, well, he can't do that again, right? He can't like go and get that putter again. I wonder I wonder for me with, with part of it, Wyndham was widely speculated to be going to live and then um quite like frankly dropped out of that race and said look no i'm saying on the pga tour whether that's a bit of a relief off his shoulders we'd seen like some sort of indifferent play from him for about three months which was kind of around when those live talks were happening we've seen that with other players have been speculated going to live as well i also wonder if he's got like kind of a chip on his shoulder after the way that last week's tournament finished because there are a lot of people saying like well you know, would he have necessarily won if it gone to uh, a full 72-hole tournament? You know, he might come out and just be pissed off and want to prove everyone wrong with uh, with his play this week. I would say as well that TPC Scottsdale is objectively a better course fit for him than Pebble Beach. Like, he gets to use his long lines. He gets to use his driver here a lot more. Like, for me, that's a better fit for him in many ways. And uh, he just won last week. So why not go back to the, the till, especially if he's going to be um, relatively low-owned um, compared to what you'd expect. I'm getting him, like, 13%. So I wouldn't would have uh, thought it was perhaps a little bit higher if he hadn't won last week. Um, I'm going to go someone else who I've, I'm a bit surprised that their ownership is what it is. Um, Emiliano Grio at 7,500 is objectively undervalued at that price. I'm only getting him at 7% ownership. He's one of the best on the PGA Tour between 150 to 200 yards where um, a huge proportion of your approach shots are going to come in that range. He absolutely butchered the approach last week in saying that almost all of that came from one hole where he found the water twice and had a double bogey on a par five. So when you start diving into that, that like, hole-by-hole hole data, you realize that his approach was actually pretty much a PGA Tour average for the whole tournament. And it was also an incredibly windy tournament. Like, I'm not going to hold it against a guy uh, if they lost on approach and just a, a tournament that had such volatile weather. He's been putting just so much better than we've ever seen. He's a great ball striker. He won the Charles Schwab Challenge in Colonial as well, which I really like. Um, decent concourse to what you can expect here. And, yeah, I just I feel that he's a, just criminally underpriced um at 7500 and his ownership is pretty decent at seven percent i'm i'm definitely behind the griot pick i think 7500 is a great price point for what he gives you so you're getting value there and to your point right, i would have thought he would have been more chalky at this price so the fact that he's not i'm not gonna say he's not he's low owned but it's not chalky it's just kind of what he should be which is totally fine to throw out there so um he'll be one of my go-to value plays for sure this week what about you spence you want griot at all uh, great form, 
great ownership. I don't think I'm going to play Griot this week. All right. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, it's bad. Like, one of the things that just killed him in my model is when I ran it specifically to weigh it towards TPC Scottsdale. A negative trajectory in pretty much every single iteration of the market of how I ran it. The safety numbers look really good, um, and that's fine. But when there's a lack of, I mean, I'll call it win equity, I guess when there's, and I know you don't need that win equity at 7,500, which is why I hate using that terminology, but like I have, I mean, like if, if I'm dipping down from, let's just say 7,500 to 7,000, there's probably eight to 12 guys that I think possess better win equity that are even cheaper than him on the board. So he kind of just got pushed out um, for those reasons. Makes sense. No, I get you. Listen, like you always say, you got to pick your spots. You got to have your guys, um, and you know, you got to take a stance on somebody there. So, I totally understand. Um, I am kind of pivoting a hundred times on this pick, making decisions on how I want this draft to go, and I'm, I finally settled. Um, I draft this guy a lot. He's a favorite of mine. He hasn't been playing his best golf, but he hasn't been terrible. But he has a good history here. He likes this course, and that's Sam Ryder. Um, and, and Sam Ryder, you know, if you want to look at those priority distances that we like to look at, you know, he excels in those, you know, 175 to 200 yard in, in proximity. He tends to get up for this tournament itself. And, you know, he's made the cut here uh, each of the last five times he's tried. Top 20, tight 223, T20, his last two tries. So he likes this course. Ownership a little high for him at 6,900, about 10%. I don't love that. But uh, but it's something I can work with. So I'm going to go with Ryder here. How about you, Spence? Will you be playing Ryder at all this week? I think the high ownership is the thing to keep an eye on. If Depending on what the contest is and depending on what the rest of your lineup looks like, uh, you may have to make some decisions there. But I thought Ryder was a value at 6,900. He's too cheap. Agreed. Uh, David, what about you? Are you on Ryder at all this week? I really like Ryder here. Um, the the thing that's been killing him lately has been the putter. And as you said, he's got a decent record here, sp- specifically with the putter as well. In the last four of his five um, tournaments, he's gained putting at TPC Scottsdale. So um, he's you're, you're right, he's like on fire in that bucket of 150 to 200. I think he's a really good option if you do need to dive down to that 6K range. I think as Ben said, the reason why he's seeing the elevated ownership is because of people building Scheffler, JT, they're ending up at like 6,800 Sam Ryder. Like that's where that, that route's kind of going. So I guess that's, that is something to be, be cautious with. And saying that, I don't know if uh, many people will be going down the route that you have of getting um, three 9K guys um, or above. So um, you're getting a little bit different in that way as well. Yeah. There you have it. Just find your way of getting different. All right, Spence, you got two here, 7,500 about to spend. Who are you looking at? There, there's this is like the decision point that we always have in drafts to where depending on who the pick is and this is why when we get to the end of the draft and a pick has been stolen or a pick has been taken it makes it so difficult um i, I did not plan to do this when the draft started and i think it's fun from a build perspective just to see how this turns out a little bit I need to create some sort of leverage, I still think, in my build. Um, Siwoo, Connors, they're not going to be the most popular guys, but I would like to fit in a name that I have as one of the lowest-owned players. So I'm going to take Tom Kim at 8,600. 
I considered going the Hideki route here. I, I know Hideki's course history is like, you're not going to beat that. Um, I never seem to get Hideki right when he's in this like $8,000 plus range. I'll take a little bit of a chance here on Tom Kim. Great desert golfer. We've seen that historically with what he's done out in Vegas. Um, weighted driving plus approach, put him inside the top 10 of my model. Pretty much everything that I ran made him a top 10 to 15 caliber player. And um, while the price point is going to be right in that general area, I see sub 7% ownership right now. So um, I think if you look at markets, he's a favorite against a lot of the guys that you would hope he's a favorite against. He's an underdog against a lot of the guys that you would expect him to be an underdog against. I think there's a little bit of that boomer bust factor that comes into play with him. But I think at the price tag and the upside that he gives me to pair along with Scheffler, it's a fun route to take uh, to have Scheffler and Tom Kim in a lineup. There you have it. Like we've been preaching, it's it's find your way to get different. Um, I think you're you're highlighting the shuffle or Tom Kim. Somebody highlight that you took two Kims back to back, and then I took two Sims back to back. That's different, but fun we have on the draft act, of course. I like the pick, you know. I like Tom Kim. I think this could be um, a good course fit for him as well, where he could kind of show up and and have an upside at eighty six hundred. You know, I think he does have just as much upside as some of those other guys in that 9K tier with, at, a, at a cheaper price point. Um, but you got two here, Spence. So who else are you looking at? Trying to buy time here to figure out how I want to round this out. Um, once again, not a direction I was necessarily planning to go. I did bet him at 125 to 1, though, when the market opened on Monday. I'll take Eric Van Royen here. Um, nine top 30 finishes globally in his past 10 starts. That's going to include the victory at the Worldwide Technology Championship in November. I just, all the baseline projections I had skyrocketed him in my sheet. He ranked 12th in that anticipated grade uh, that I had strokes gain T to green for this course versus 93rd elsewhere. I have some concerns with the ownership that we're starting to see right now and markets hate him in general, but uh, my model had a lot and it never really likes Eric Van Royen. And I'm curious to hear David's perspective because David seems to be the one that usually likes Van Royen when I'm off. And now that I'm on this week, maybe he will be off this time. But uh, I'll go with Van Royen and then try to round out the build from there. You know, I, I, it's interesting. Van Royen was the guy I was considering with Ryder, and I went with Ryder instead. So um, I, I obviously didn't love him because I didn't pick him, but uh, definitely was on my radar. David, what would say you? Are you on Van Royen? Um, I'm just most disappointed that Spence didn't take Michael Kim there to go Cebu Kim, Tom Kim, Michael Kim with his, his three picks in a row. Um, but EVR, yeah, look, I, I I am just very high on the guy in general. I think that he's continues to be underrated for what he's doing. Um, he had an injury, was out of the game for like six months, completely healthy and clearly playing as so, and just the markets haven't caught up to that fact yet. So that's always a great opportunity. I would say in DFS, it looks like people are Spencer's ownership. Looks like it's ca it's catching a bit of steam as a result. Um, if I was going to critique it, the fact that he's played here twice, missed the cut, and had a fiftieth in those two starts would be um, one thing that I identified. But look, he's a very very good ball striker, great on approach, really good with the driving distance, accurate enough to get the job done around here. So I do like the play. I think he's objectively undervalued at seventy one hundred for sure. I also don't think that again. I don't think people are necessarily going to be combining like Tom Kim, Siwoo Kim, Scheffler in this kind of lineup that, that um, Spencer's building. Like his, his entire line screams of guys who could win this tournament um, quite easily. So, 
There you have it. Drafting with upside, you've done that. Have we got a withdrawal? It looks as such right now. Right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, Joel has uh, had suffered a withdrawal from his team. Um, in this case, just himself, he has withdrawn from the draft for for the time being. So, hopefully, he'll uh, he'll come back. Um, look, EVR. Obviously, you you spoke about a few names there, Spence. I'll just peel a little bit of time while we wait for Joel to unwithdraw himself and re-enter the tournament. Um, you mentioned there was a few names down there in that seven to seventy five hundred range. So. Can you give us a couple of names down there yeah. where you think that you can potentially get different, bearing in mind that if you are going a Sheffler JT route, you invariably end up in that seven to seven four hundred kind of range. Where do you think the diff like where's your pivots in that range specifically? I think you can use Adam Svensson as a pivot if you want to dip into the six thousand dollar range. I, I can't afford him now, but I really like Davis Thompson this week. That's the boomer bust mentality of a golfer that I'm trying to take. Very disappointed I'm not going to be able to get him in this lineup, unfortunately. But uh, just give an interesting stat about Davis Thompson, and then we'll move forward in the draft now that I see that Joel's back. But I do want to note this on the show. So when I only looked at this course for the seven most highest birdie or better percentage holes that you had here, so that removes the 11 other holes, and I just looked at the upside numbers for birdie or better percentage. Number one, Scotty Scheffler. Number two, Justin Thomas. Very natural of what you would expect. Number three, Davis Thompson. Davis Thompson's going to have to hold on on those other 11 holes, and that's going to be the question mark all week if, if he can do it. But uh, when he opened at 200 to one, I thought he was one of the better values on the board. And I think at 6,900 with literally no ownership right now, he's one of the better upside plays that you can consider too. That's interesting. I'm, I might take Davis Thompson now. With my... <laughs> you know, it's weird. I, I apparently was frozen, but like you guys weren't frozen. I was just talking away and apparently you guys couldn't hear me. So I am back and I'm going to go ahead and take Grayson Sig with my next bet. Yes, Grayson Sig. Um, listen, that's going to might come up with like, who are you taking? Why are you taking Grayson Sig? He's been playing well. Another guy who... Um, when you look at proximities of that 175 to 200 range, he excels. That's where he really rises. Almost no ownership. You get him at a really good price. And if you look at his recent form, I mean, he's got you a top 20 at the American, American Express. He got a top 10 at the RSM. He, he's, you know, he made the cut. Didn't have a great finish, but made the cut here last year. I think he's going to be an under-the-radar under guy that at basically no ownership can help if you have some chocolate lineups get different. And I think, think he has some upside as well. So, I like the Grayson Sig, Sig pick. Um, David, will you be on Sig at all this week? I think that Sig's really interesting. The fact he's he's gained on approach pretty well in the last the four last four tournaments, gained a lot of shots. I think that the natural play if you're in that range is Stallings. I think a lot of people go Scott Stallings there. So playing Sig is a great way to get different. Um, so I, I think it's pretty um, savvy, sharp play. Spence, how about you? Will you be looking at Sig at all? Uh, that was Nick's when I did better golf pod with him. That was his number one go-to guy in the $6,000 range. So if, if you're on him and Nick is on him and my model thought he was a fair to neutral value, if not a little bit better than that, I, I certainly think he's intriguing based off of the, all the, those factors. There you have it. All right, David, with your fifth pick, you got plenty of money to spend. Who are you looking at? 
Yeah, I mean, look, as I said at the beginning of the draft, because I'm taking that route where I'm not going to get um, Thomas or Sheffler, I will invariably end up with quite a bit of money left on the table. I'm going to take Adam Hanwood at um, 8,000 here, the Desert Fox, back to the Desert again. Look, what we've done, the same from him in the last two tournaments that we played in the Desert. He was sixth at the American Express, second at the Shriners. Um, he's got a very, very good record on this course as well. He was 10th last time in an elevated event, 26th the time before that. Um, he's got a very good record at TPC Summerlin in general, not just the runner-up finish there um, last year. Ticks the key bucket of 150 to 200 yards um, very, very well. That's his key approach area and a very good putter as well. And if you're um, waiting putter a little bit higher here than at other venues, um, Adam Hadwin could be um, a decent choice in that range. There you have it, Adam Hadwin, 8K. I think he's a good value. I think his upside has got a good history. Um, I can endorse the pick, Spence. Before we go to you, audience, you're up. Get your nominations in, your last two picks. Spence, are you playing Adam Hadwin at all this week? Maybe the lack of putting that I ran hurt Hadwin in my model ever so slightly. I, I do have 10% there, but that's lower than I normally would inside of my sheet. I, I don't know what to do with Hadwin, if I'm being honest. like Everything that David just said about he excels on desert properties, like that is a known commodity at this point. I just feel like there may be a letdown situation here. And one of the bets that I tried to do, I took Corey Connors over him in a head to head matchup at minus 110. I do feel like it's one of those situations that uh, it's probably my second least favorite head to head that I've given during the entire year, just because that feels like a spot where it's going to go for four days. But um, I don't know. I, there were some metrics in my model that worried me a little bit about Hadwin, but I think he's safe. And like that at least has going, I just don't know what the upside is, David. Like that, that would be my only answer to it. Fair enough. Um, totally can understand that audience. Your first pick is definitely locked in, in pretty consensus with Batia. And I like it a lot and under 8k. I think there's plenty of upside. He's been playing really well. He feels like one of those up and coming guys that, Maybe his status or his kind of rankings has not been defined yet. Uh, I think we can see him being more of a fixture in the 8K range as the season goes on. So I like the the first pick here with Batia. Audience, we need one more. Unless is it, is it confirmed for Gala? Is that in? Is anyone see? Anyone? Can anyone confirm that's correct? Or should we just move forward and give him the Gala? Given you. Is you? Is you? Did you come in before Tagala? Looks like it. Okay, Kevin, you the final pick. Um, uh, they couldn't afford Tagala, so that wouldn't have been a choice. Um, audience's team is in. You know, I think both picks were, were pretty savvy to round out. I like the audience's team here. I'll pass it to you, Spence. Are you on Batia or you this week? I'll say yes to Akshay, no to Kevin. You. Fair enough. How about you, David? Uh, exact same answer with me. What I'd say with um, Bartia is he, he has started this year, like the putter is the, the problem for Akshay in most cases. He has gained in a big way putting every single tournament this year. He's obviously still extremely young, huge talent. If he's been working in the offseason on his putter, like it looks like it's worked so far because he's just gaining huge number of strokes with the putter. So would not be surprised with the bad cut at all. Uh, Kevin, you a uh, bit too high owned for me. Um, I also don't know if it's the best fit because I am waiting putting a little bit higher and he tends to um, destroy himself with the putter a little bit. So 
happy to avoid the chalk on Kevin Yu, but um, I do think objectively Akshay Bhatti is a pretty savvy, high upside play. There you have it. All right, David, you got one left. 10K to spend. How are you rounding out your squad? Yeah, no, I thought about a couple of different routes to go with this. I'm going to take a little bit of a risk and take Sungjae in. Sungjae's um, lost on approach his last three tournaments, so that is a slight concern. He, but we do know that he is a very, very good ball striker. He's got a well-rounded game. I like the fact that I'm leaving quite a bit on the table, the 700. Um, he's one of the Shriners, obviously, so that's a that's a decent comp, I think, to this. And he was 6th here, 17th, 34th, and 7th in his last four starts of the Phoenix Open. So never worse than 34th and um, three top 20s in his other starts. So there's either a place that he's going to regain his form. Could well be here. The other thing I'll add is that he um, was apparently sick last week as well. He was suffering from an illness. So if you're going to like kind of punch the, the 66 into the turf off the back of some weather and uh, an illness, could be a place where you can get Sungjae in um, at pretty decently low ownership. Seen him like 13%, about the same as the Gala and Wyndham Clark at the moment. There you have it. Um, I'm never going to complain about a Sunjay M pick. You know, he's, you know, you can, I feel like Sunjay is one of the type of golfers that can almost play on any course and be okay. Like he's almost, he's someone that can adapt like a chameleon to the environment. So on any 300, certainly has upside. That is a endorsement from me. For my last pick at 7K, I'm going to go ahead with, with um, Hadley. Um, you know, he, he maybe slowed down a little bit. Uh, since we've gotten back in the calendar year, but he's still playing really well. And I think his biggest strength is his ball striking, which I think comes back more than anything, um, which he hasn't been doing as well. But if you look at those priority proximity distances, he excels in them. He's got a good course history. He was T23 last year. He does have a top five in the last five years here. Um, I think he can find that mojo and have plenty of upside at 7K. And only 5% ownership, um, I'm that's you know, plenty ownership is low enough to, to not be a concern for me at all. Uh, how about you, Spence? Will you be playing Hadley at all? And your last pick, I think Hadley in single entry or cash games is a is a nice route to go. I, I maybe have a little bit more hesitation in MMEs. I always worry about his upside partially, but I, I think in any single entry that you're putting him into, he's probably the safest name that you can find down there on the board. Um, I am. I have talked about a lot of guys that were in good form and talked about reasons why I didn't like them. And now I'm going to bring up a guy that has not made a cut in pretty much on the PGA Tour, at least in legitimately a year. A lot of that has to do with injuries. As I said, I wish I could have gotten up to Davis Thompson or Adam Svensson here. I wish I had ever so slightly more money than I do right now. But I'm going to once again go back down this route and I'm going to take Jonathan Vegas. Um, I have been on most of those miscuts that he's put together. I don't think they are nearly as bad as they look. He missed one by two shots. He missed one on the number. You look at what he did at the farmers. He blew up on day one, put the pieces together on day two, just wasn't able to get himself through the weekend because he was so far back. This is another venue where he's found success. I think the ball striking fits this game ideally. And one of the first bets that I placed this week uh, in the placement market which might be lighting money on fire, but 11 to one, Jonathan Vegas. Uh, that's over at bet rivers to come inside the top 20. Ooh, I like it. I like it. That's a good insight there. Um, I like the 11 to one for the top. 20. I wasn't on Vegas, but I think that's just a good number you can find uh, for just a top 20 bet. So there you have it. That's the draft for this week. Don't forget, hit the like button. 
Give us a follow. It goes a long way. We will be posting these lineups on Twitter. Let us know who you think is going to win. Vote for the winner. We will come back next week and crown the champion. They will get first pick and pick the order. But before we let you off tonight, we do have our first round leaders. So, David, we'll start off with you. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Can I talk very briefly about Jonathan Vegas before I give out my, my first round leaders? I just think I just think he's broken. Like, I really do Might just be. think he's broken. Like, he's been he, – he had that huge injury where he was out for ages. He came back for, like, three months, and we were on him for, like, quite a while during those three months because his approach, like, almost immediately came back. But this time around, like, he had another, like, eight-month layoff, and then he's come back and he's just been losing on approach again and again and again. So I think for me, I'm just, like, I'm – I'm quite concerned about his his injury at this point, whether it's just something permanent where he may not be able to recover or needs further surgery. I just I do have some deep concerns there. So um yeah, I'll just I'll just put it out there for people. I just I'm, I'm worried he could be broken. But Joel's the one at the king of the WD and, and Spence drafted him. So that probably means that he sees out the full tournament instead. Um for my first round leaders, um I've got a couple. I do like um Sam Burns. I think that he can get really hot with the putter. I've seen a bit of weather um, coming in on Thursday, some light rain in the afternoon. Wind's actually dropping in the afternoon at the moment, and it's getting warmer. Like, it's going to be really cold in the morning in um, Arizona, and I think it might actually be better to be in the the afternoon wave there. So you get Sam Burns at 35-1, to 1, which I do really like. I think Corey Connors, again, he can just ball strike it, and I like the 60-1 to 1 number that you're getting on him um, over at Bet365 as well. Um, I'll endorse the Siwoo Kim play as well. Uh, you can get him at 55-1. to 1. I, I don't mind that as a first-round leader over, say, a tournament long. I'd probably prefer him in just like a spiking a minus eight kind of round um, on that first day. There you have it. Spence, how about you? Who are you looking at in the first-round leader market? Yeah, I mean, it's a very similar card uh, for me of what David just said. So it's going to be Siwoo Kim at 66-1, to 1, Corey Connors at 60-1, to 1, and then I bet Davis Thompson at 100 to 1. I love it. We're all giving you a little bit of a home run play. That's what these first rounders are for, to have some fun with it. I got two. Um, I'm with you, Japan. My first one is Eric Cole at 50 to 1. Uh, and my second one, my home run, a guy I drafted, Sam Ryder at 100 to 1. That's a wrap for the show this week. Don't forget. Now's the time. Sign up, get in Discord. We'll have updates on weather our outright picks in Discord that you can choose from. You'll get Steven's ownership articles. You can really understand for sure how the chips are falling in terms of ownership before you before you put your lineups in this week. Uh, it's going to be a fun week. You get to enjoy some golf before you head into the Super Bowl. It'll be an epic Sunday. Good luck, everyone. David, did I forget anything? Sports. There you have it. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.